1: welcome to forever blue shirts radio
2: that was the lovely voice of mr john luke Shapiro you all just heard welcome back to the forever blue shirts radio podcast i am russell hartman joining me this week the other two members of the top line kevin Croupy and john luke Shapiro. kevin you were just in Salem for the weekend. How was that?
3: Oh, it was wonderful. Very crowded. I mean, don't go there the week before <laughs> Halloween. Very because it was, it was a lot worse than I would have thought. It was beautiful, though. The oh, fall damn. colors in bloom. Unfortunately, I was in Boston. And also, unfortunately, that is one of our main topics to talk about. And the Rangers look terrible against Boston. Oh, geez. Oh, boy. Um, if you do look at what Ant says, to put it in perspective, though, you know, this is a Stanley Cup contending team. They really had no changes from that Stanley Cup contender. And we literally have a team that is still not figuring out who they are after nine games, which is okay because it's a lot of young guys, a lot of new guys. But it was a massacre.
1: Wow, talk about getting right into it, Kevin. Jeez.
3: I mean, like, we have a lot of things to talk about. A lot of things <laughs> happened since our last podcast. No, absolutely. You no. as well.
2: Well, look. The Boston game was the perfect, I feel like, kind of litmus test for where things are at. And they were the perfect kind of expectation leveler, if I could use that phrase. Um, I mean, look at it this way. You know, like Kevin said, like Ant has been saying on Twitter. Boston is a team that's coming off a Stanley Cup final appearance where they almost won, but St. Louis Blues were that team of destiny last year. And then man, they manhandled the Rangers in that second period. and most of the, I mean, most of the game, if we're being honest, the, this, the, the game was not as close as that score indicated by any means. Um, and if we go back over the week, um, the game against the Coyotes, there were spurts of... Good things, but another loss ultimately in overtime, but still a loss. Uh, with the lone bright spot this past week coming against the Buffalo Sabers, where it looked like they were starting to figure things out, but uh, it you know it the game right after, which was against the Bruins, things came crashing right back down. Uh, Jail, what have you thought of the play this week, specifically against the games against the Yotes, the Sabers, and the Bruins, and are there any positives to take from what the Rangers did this past week?
1: Well, considering I was at two out of the three of those matchups, oh, I...
4: me, I oh Kevin, stop! Games.
2: Please get out of here,
1: Kevin. Okay,
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't, I'm don't,
1: don't, hate, Kevin.
3: Don't
4: I mean, hate because no, you ain't just, great.
0: It's just
3: like motif of yeah, yeah. I was at this Ranger game. I was like,
0: what? <laughs> well,
1: I mean, if you really want a good evaluation, it's good to get it from someone that was there, right? Of course, I'm sorry. I'm just um, jealous. That's what it is. Yes, you are jealous, and that's not my problem. Anyways, so, you know, the the Coyotes game was was actually not as bad as people put it out to be. They were a little bit more pressed into their own zone for most of the game, which kind of contributes to a lot of what happened that evening. But there were definitely a lot of positives, and those positives came out in the Buffalo game when they were smooth on their breakouts, playing solid defense, moving the puck around very well. Um... The positives, again, are just that they were a little more tenacious than they were before. They were, you know, moving the puck well at times. Well, the problem is is that the effort wasn't consistent. The effort was consistent against Buffalo, but then when the Boston game came around, it was about the time after had, uh got taken out of the game. It just kind of seemed like they didn't really know what to do. So the pros are basically, they're playing a little bit better. Um they're trying to do more with the puck. They're playing with a little more intensity. But again, the problem is is that the effort is inconsistent and they allow um, other teams to just kind of you know, mosey their way in and just kind of dominate. Uh, Lundquist has been okay. I mean, he's definitely been one of the lone bright spots. And other than that, I mean, from everything that's already been shown or known, I mean, that's pretty much it.
2: I want to get the bleak out of the way quick. So... In addition to JL's comments, I'd like to work into this, the fact that Chris Kreider has had a not-so-good start. But before we do that, JL, you said the effort doesn't look like it's always there sometimes. Would you attribute that to more of the players, or do you think this is an issue with the coaching staff, or is it a little of both?
1: I think it's a little mix of both. I mean, I know that obviously the players and, and the players definitely need to... Add, you know, their end of the bargain, and, and guys like Chris Kreider haven't exactly really done as much as they should, but you know, also part of it goes on the coaching staff. I, I think the coaching staff needs to just continue to find ways to get them motivated and find ways to keep that effort consistent. As much, I, I mean, we honestly really don't know what else to expect, but I mean. We just have to see what the coaching staff does with it. They need to hold more players accountable. They need to have other players held accountable that are not rookies and just kind of keep that accountability door that they always preach going. So I I, I think it's a little bit on both sides, especially for a guy like Chris Kreider. I mean, he definitely has to, you know, step it up.
2: He just hasn't been good this year. And, you know, it's in a year where a lot of people thought Chris Kreider was going to step up and have a big year for this team. Especially in a contract year where you want to make a good impression on your team and maybe potentially other teams that want to trade for you at the deadline. I mean, let's let's not play around here. Chris Kreider's agent, I I believe his name is Matt Cater, and Chris Kreider and Jeff Gordon all know where this is going. Chris Kreider is not signed. There have been no discussions, and we know where this is going to end up at the deadline, and we're looking at another Zook situation. I was one of those people I hoping it wouldn't get to this point, but we're here. Um, Chris Kreider needs to step his play up, and I'm not talking about some garbage time goal in a game that doesn't matter. He needs to start making an impact, and you know what? I don't know if he deserves to be a top-six forward right now on this team. I think if you're really preaching accountability, if you're the coaching staff, you need to scale him back. Kevin?
3: Oh, no, I completely... you You took the words right out of my mouth. Like, you know, we do see longer leashes for other guys, but, you know, Quinn has been pretty good about accountability when it comes to almost all of his players. You know, he's taking minutes away from other guys, but... Absolutely, Kreider just doesn't seem like he's been that kind of consistent player that we've seen. And just, you know, we've talked about this. We've written articles. I've written articles about why Chris Kreider should got traded last off season. Like not even last deadline, last off season. Off season. Uh-huh. That's when his that's when his value was at its highest. You know, you had an extra year of team control, and you know he really had a breakout year. And you know this was the worst case scenario. He's not playing the way he's supposed to. And do you chalk that up to just you know team's not playing bad, or do you actually think it's on some mindset to say, hey, look, I'm not going to be on this team anyway, so why should I try? So and
2: that's a horrible mindset. I, I have. mean, like at least with Probably Zook,
3: like at least with Zook, there was some idea of like, oh, they're going to resign him or they're going to extend him, something along the lines of he's going to mentor these young guys. Now with Chris Kreider, the cat's out in the back. he's not on the team anymore after this. So Chris Kreider, as much as I hate to say it, just isn't part of this team, and he knows it. Like he knows he's not going, he's not on this team at all. I mean, like Kevin Hayes didn't know that. That's why Kevin Hayes had such a great year last year. He didn't think he was going to get traded. He thought he was going to be on this team for the long haul, but he wasn't. And then it brings up, is this really why Hito got called up? Or is it only because Mika Zavanchin got hurt? I mean, if Mika Zavanchin didn't get hurt, are we still begging them to, like, please call up Hito? Please call up Hito. I mean, it's getting out of control. Please put Leas on the second line. Please put... Anybody but any uh, – just mix things around, change things up. And it's just – it sucks that an injury had to happen. It sucks that Clotter has to be terrible for this to happen. But this is the reality that the Rangers are in right now.
2: And reality right now is not as glowing as people would have hoped this in the season. I mean, um, the team does not look good right now. They're bleeding uh, opportunities for the other teams. Your top center is now hurt. Jesper Fast is out for undisclosed reasons. Like we've been talking about, Chris Kreider is not playing well. Like Kevin is saying, even Kevin Hayes and Matt Sugarello at the time knew that they probably weren't going to be here or they had some idea that they might not have been here, and they still played to this expectation. They still played, like, extremely well. And, and you know, for all the faults I had with Kevin Hayes when he was here, he played very well that last year. And, you know, he got the Rangers a very nice deal at the deadline. Chris Kreider right now, I don't know what, what team would take a chance on that at all. And I've seen the rumors for the St. Louis Blues, already popping up since take him Vladimir went down. Good. Take him. Absolutely. This um, is the chance. I mean, this, that's how you fill
3: that gap immediately.
2: Especially the on a team that's been that playing well. Is that the, the one prospect that I would have liked from Blues Dominic Bach is now Carolina hurricanes property, but I'm sure if they would like to get a deal done, they will get a deal done. So with the recent news of Zibanejad, of course, getting knocked out of that game by Patrice Bergeron, Jesper Foss being out of the lineup for undisclosed reasons, um, the state of the Rangers does not look too good right now, and the underlying numbers are kind of backing that up. Uh, credit to Twitter user Rob Luker at rluker12 for these stats. Um, out, of the 300, out of 393 teams uh, ranked since 2007 uh, for 5v5 adjusted stats, this current Ranger team, guys, I'm telling you right now, this is not pretty. Corsi 4, they are ranked 392nd out of 393. Uh, Corsi for and against, per 60, they're ranked 364th out of 393. For expected goals for, they're ranked 392nd out of 393. And for expected goals for and expected goals against, per 60, they are ranked 271st out of 393. To give you guys some kind of, uh, to wrap that into some easy to... uh,
3: Some good nomenclature.
2: Yeah, good nomenclature this is 1415 Sabres level tanking bad going like, on right now like really um, really
3: bad like it, yeah I, I just just to kind of allude to what you're saying I was like those that team was garbage that team was yeah, oh, that, yeah. Team didn't, that, that team that team was, couldn't even score to save their life and now and we had the entire season to look at now now it's just big changes have to happen.
1: I think a a lot of this is just attributed to just the team just being inexperienced. I mean, a lot of these guys haven't logged a lot of NHL minutes, and they haven't really come up with adversity yet. I mean, you know, they've gone through some things in the minor leagues, but nothing equivalent to what people go through in the NHL. And the NHL is a bigger league, more pressure you have to perform. So the struggles are different. The struggles are bigger. So a lot of these advanced numbers are coming through because, you know, you have a couple of older guys who've been around the block before, but then you also have a lot of younger guys who don't know exactly how it is to deal with adversity. So when you put all that together, you're going to get these types of numbers. And at the end of the day, it doesn't look great. And sometimes the, the product on the ice isn't great. But again, we just have to be patient. But the numbers don't look good because again, a lot of these guys really haven't had the chops for it yet.
3: You really could compare this to the Edmonton Oilers when they were on their, seems to be, always rebuilding stage. Um, like, you know, they have all these young guys, and even Conor McDavid, just because he's so young, he doesn't have that NHL experience, even though he is the best player in the league. They couldn't elevate his game, even with Ryan Houston Hopkins, even with Nell Yakupov, even with, all of the, even with Taylor Hall, all of these young guys that just... You can't mesh the, these, these teenagers and, like, you know, 21-year-olds together and expect something great to happen. You know, we were excited about, oh, this is the youngest team we've seen in years. It's one of the youngest teams in the NHL. They're going to play great, which individually, yeah, they can. But as a group, it's just, they're, like JL said, there's not enough experience. Now, does bring, bringing Hedl and Lindgren up really solve that? I mean, obviously, we don't know yet. But it, things have to change. We can't keep seeing certain people on certain lines, you know, what I thought was good was spreading around the wealth with Panera and Kako. Um, and I think Buchnevich are all on different lines to start the Boston game. And I thought the first period was fantastic, it, you know, from you know a statistical standpoint, of course. But it's just, you know, bringing more youth doesn't solve it, but at least it's a change of pace. At least we'll see different things. And if it doesn't amount to much, it's just we knew this was going to happen. And it comes back to tempered expectations from what we've been saying from the beginning of the season. Although that was their goal, John Davidson, that was the goal of the Rangers to make the playoffs. He did not guarantee that it was going to happen. Making it a wild card was their end all. They weren't Stanley Cup contenders. They never said that they were going to make it far in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They were like, oh, if we make it to the playoffs, that's it. We even, it, we exceeded our expectations.
1: No, absolutely. And, you know, with the call-ups of Hiedel and and Lindgren, I think they're... Of essentially, doing what everyone's been asking for them to do, you know. And I kind of said it to, you know. I think I might have said it here in the last podcast, and I think uh, I I said it privately to everyone. They're calling up these guys. I mean, I didn't think they were going to call Lindgren up, but um, I definitely knew Hede was going to be here right before November. So, you know, this is what the fans want. You know, good thing it it coincides with the ideals of the Rangers. So, I mean you know, this is good and this is what is going to be the future. You know, I mean, we'll just have to see what happens, you know.
2: And in a rebuild, you know, like JL was saying, the fans have been, you know, praying for this and hoping for this. And this is a case of just letting the kids play. And this is a case where I feel like David Quinn kind of gets in his own way a little bit here. Um, We are still rebuilding. And like Kevin said, J.D. did say, before the season, the goal was to make a wild-card spot. That was the old, old, ultimate goal, overarching goal. But, of course, that might not always happen, and it's not looking like that is going to happen. So they bring up Filipino and Ryan Lindgren. Filipino, who's been dominating the AHL, doing everything that's been asked of him. And Ryan, Ryan Lindgren, who was extremely close to making the team out of training camp, but got beat up by Libor Hayek for that last spot. So what do these two bring? Well, Filipino, you know what you're getting. You're getting a guy who was dominating AHL competition, was playing big minutes at center, was centering Hartford's top line, playing all the top minutes, and now you stick him into a lineup that needs an injection of skill, that needs an injection of offensive power, and I think Filippino is going to fit in very nicely, especially uh, we wish Mika Zibanejad a uh, speedy recovery, but a spot is open in the top six now for someone to grab, and hopefully that will be Filippino or, God willing, Leah Anderson if David Quinn wants to give him a little more of an opportunity to run with the big boys during this, uh, since, since Mika will be out uh, for a few games. Now, Ryan Lindgren, I really like this because Ryan Lindgren was a guy last year that a lot of people seem to give up on. Uh, he's an AHLer, not an NHLer. Uh, we don't know if he's going to be up this that. But Ryan Lindgren has really impressed this year in the American Hockey League for Hartford. Hartford number one uh, is eight zero zero and one. They're destroying the competition in the AHL. Lots of credit to the staff down there, including Chris Noblock, the first-time head coach down there. Uh, Just amazing turnaround from the normal uh, goings-on in Hartford. But this year, we've seen just uh, everyone buying in down there, and look what's paying off. I mean, it helps that the Rangers have really kind of put a lot of time and energy this summer into Hartford. Uh, But it's great to see the coaching staff turning things around there. So – Uh, Ryan Lindgren, great revelation this year, had a great end-to-end goal earlier this season, too. That was opening a lot of eyes. Uh, Hopefully he can get some more offensive prowess to his game because he's known as kind of a stay-at-home physical defenseman, which is good, and you need those guys. But if Ryan Lindgren can really take his game to another level, which he's kind of been doing in the AHL already this year, it only benefits the team going forward. And uh, a lot of people will point to the fact that Hedl got called up possibly because of an injury, but there are no injuries on the defense right now. And Ryan Lindgren was called up to fill in on this roster. So that means in David Quinn, Lindy Ruff, David Oliver's mind, someone on that defense is just straight up not producing like they should. So uh, let's start with JL here. JL, who sits for Ryan Lindgren?
1: Uh, Brady Shea or Brendan Smith, hopefully. Um, I want to say it can't be Hayek. Uh, I don't think they're going to do it to D'Angelo because D'Angelo's been Pretty much nothing but solid, so it has to be Smith or pretty much Brady Shea. But then again, I could be wrong. So, but well,
3: well Smith is a forward, so he wouldn't get taken down. So well, it might even be. Stall.
1: Haley Haley and McKeg weren't sent down either. So
3: well, now they have the full roster they were playing with minus two guys essentially. Yeah, so they I had mean, 21 guys on the roster, so now they have 23. So they really don't have. Like, they they knew this was going to happen. They expected this, so obviously if people were, you know, whining and crying about, oh, they're never going to call him up. They were planning to because they didn't fill out their roster completely. Exactly. So, so
1: I, I think you know,
3: we're gonna tomorrow's lines at practice are really going to determine how David Quinn's going to go about these young guys, and obviously there's going to be an initial reaction, whether it's a good one or a bad one. Regardless of that, it's just take it easy please, because I want to see Filippito do good. I want to see all these guys do good. I want the Rangers to score. That's more important. And I, I like to digress a little bit. Um, it was four on four. I don't know if you guys were watching. It was, um, I believe, four Rangers were down, and I think Panarin passed the puck to Shea and let up a wide-open net. And even if it wasn't wide open, if you could say, oh, Halak um, was right there to stop him, why not take the shot? Why try to pass it back to the slot where Panarin is not expecting you to pass oh, it? Oh yeah, I you're saw that. You're sitting right there, and you know, just just these small things that Shea is doing. You know, taking a penalty almost immediately in the game, just things that a veteran shouldn't be doing. A veteran should know what to do. Just not. More. It just, just not yeah, that. just things that it. And part of it is probably overthinking. Probably it's like you know you're not doing well. You're gonna overthink your game specifically, and it's probably everybody's case at the moment. Nothing's clicking. Everybody, like, especially if you look at Kako, he's like, I'm not playing well. I don't like the way I'm playing. I'm not enjoying playing hockey. He's probably overthinking it more than anybody else. It's just everybody's overthinking. Everybody's trying to do more than they should be instead of playing their game the way they're supposed to. And at the bottom line, you're not putting effort that Quinn is stating. And, you know, it's a broken record at this point already in the season. Just it's still a good point. Play hockey. No one's expecting you to score five goals on your own. Play like you're supposed to play. Play your position. And if you want, if you think you want to do a little bit more, do it in strides. Don't do it all. Don't, 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 just go all in. Just stop. Just play, play like a team, please.
2: So you're saying that they they kind of got to get out of their heads a little bit. No, oh, definitely. I no, they're idea.
1: definitely that, in their heads. That's a fair assessment right there. It's a, get yeah, out of their heads.
3: Just, you know, if you want to even talk about just frustration on anybody's level, just look at what Henry Lundqvist did to, to David Pasternak last night. Just Uh, just body him. Body check city over here. No one's down there to defend. He has to come out and take a puck We're in a very dangerous situation. And what does he do to not get hurt? He throws the shoulder. And he goes back. And then there's a penalty called. And then there's all this confusion. And then this four and four happens. So it's just small things that you notice while you watch these games. And it's just, it's not what a hockey team should be doing, at least on this level. No, of course not. And I
2: mean, look, with the recent call-ups of Hedal and Lindgren, I believe the Rangers are, in fact, the youngest team in the league now, if they weren't already. But now, you know, there is so much inexperience that I think that the fans need to be... You, you need to know that it's not going to be pretty for a while. And this is, the, this is when the rebuild is especially bumpy, when, you know, you have the foundation... But when you start to build up, you hit some, you hit some, you know, snags, you hit some things along the way that might not, you know, you might not want to see them. You might not want to deal with them, but they're going to happen. And this is what all contenders go through on their way to the Stanley Cup. Uh, like you'll hear in an interview with Steve, um, he even talks about how, you know, a year after you get a top pick, the teams just, they still don't do well. You need more than one. You need, uh, you know, you need the team to come together. You need cohesion. So, I mean, it's all about just letting them grow and letting these kids play and play through their mistakes. So the question is now, where does Heedle slot in and where does Ryan Lindgren slot in? And if Mika Zibanejad is out for a while and if Jesper Foss is out for a while, how does this lineup take shape? Now, this morning I tweeted out, these are the lines I would personally like to see. I'll just go through my top six. I'd like to see Panarin, and Anderson and Kako put together. I think Anderson deserves every opportunity to see what he could do with skilled players. And I think Heedel deserves the opportunity as well to see what he can do with Butchnevich. And maybe Heedel and Butchnevich can get Chris Kreider going. I think that is what you should go with for now. I think that is, you know, if Zabanajad is out for a few games. And I think you need to let the horses run
3: loose. You need to just see what they're going to do. Yes, Kevin. So – just 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 to I mean, I, I know Leah Sanderson hasn't been playing particularly great, and you know you could attest that to the linemates, but I wholeheartedly agree with you with this choice. It's like why not give him a chance? What is going right at this point where you have to make the excuse, oh no, Lias Sanderson's a fourth line player. Oh no, Sanderson can only center the third line, and so on and so forth. And, you know, um, thanks to Zach, you know, he looked up the the actual times after Zabanjad was taken out, so probably the last forty minutes of the game, and you know, Leah Anderson had the least amount of ice time among the rest of the centers. And it just goes to show, it's like, I get that Quinn doesn't trust him. I get that he hasn't been playing great. But
0: what do you have to lose at this
3: point? We I mean, know they're not the good. They're second That's to exactly last it. in points. What the do they have league. to leave? That's exactly it. So just take, bite the bullet. And even if it's not Leis Anderson, at least let Heedle. He is a, he's a point per game player. I
1: I think Hedo going to get a bigger role considering. No, how he no, played definitely because he's producing
3: on the Hartford level. But then it comes to you questions like, oh well, we, uh, he probably only also playing twenty minutes a game.
1: Yeah, but I think also so, too a good idea they can do is put Hedo and Anderson together. <laughs> I mean, I don't see why not.
3: No, I mean, but at this at this point, just you know whether it's leas or Hedo on the wing, it's just having these guys in the top six is a lot better than just burying them in the third and fourth line, which, you know, even if it does happen still not the end of the world, it's just, it really shouldn't. R- Russell's, Russell's, you know, he's he's right about letting the kids play. Everybody's right about letting the kids Absolutely
1: play. Absolutely, 100%. It's
3: not a Stanley Cup season. If you don't let these guys get real minutes, you're not giving them real line mates to work with. with. You're not giving them NHL experience. So you, then you see... He, Guys like he will perform in the AHL with guys that are kind of at his talent level, guys that can keep up, guys that don't get gritty goals barely, like Michael Haley did last night. So, you know, you just need to give guys that could improve Leah's Anderson's game because he needs that improvement. He needs guys that are better than him to help elevate his game, to help learn. And just if him slowing it out in the fourth line isn't doing it, then just send him back down to the AHL because that's what he's going to be better off that way.
2: And, you know, we can go over the bottom six decisions, but, I mean, we, we that's beating a dead horse at this point. We know who's going to play. We know who's playing where. And, you know, it's its not just the line of decisions. It's the fact that I'm sure Jeff Gordon and John Davidson don't want Brendan Smith and Michael Haley playing the minutes that they are. I'm sure that David Quinn probably doesn't either, but you kind of stuck with what you got until you can hopefully move on from them. And, I mean, look, is it a showcase what they're doing? Maybe. But the fact is that if they want to move on from them, and they can if they will. And that's the final thing we'll say on that because we've, been ta- we've talked about it a lot. Now, um, before we get into uh, the week ahead and looking at what we think the Rangers will do against Tampa and Nashville, here's our interview with the stat boy himself, stat boy Steven. And as promised... Welcome back to the Forever Blue Shirts podcast it is Mr. Stat Boy, Steven himself. And we would like to extend, before we get to the interview, a warm and welcome happy birthday to Steve. Steve,
4: how are you feeling today, bud? How's, how's it feel? How you feeling? Um, I think I felt a lot better if people wouldn't remind me about the fact that I turned 35 today. But other than that, I'm, I'm pretty good, actually. It's been an amazing day. Great. I'm
2: glad to hear it, man. So let's jump right into your specialty. Our European prospects are over there across the pond. And let's start with your boy, Nils Lundqvist. How has he looked this season so far? And what are the expectations that we should have for him as the season progresses? Um,
4: I mean, Lundqvist has done everything you could expect from a European prospect. I mean, it's his second year after being drafted, and he's 19 years old. He's been playing on the top defensive pair for Lulio, which is one of the top teams in Sweden. He had seven points in six games in the Champions Hockey League, which is like the Champions League in, in, in soccer, um, and nine points in 14 games in the SHL. He has been absolutely amazing, not just on the offensive side of things, but defensively, I think, what if people would actually watch some Lulio games, they would be impressed with what they're seeing because his gap control is probably his biggest asset on defense. The The, the way he reads the play, the way he plays against these these grown men. Um, I know everyone goes on about Keandre Miller, and I love K. Andre Miller myself. Um, I'll be at the World Juniors in the Czech Republic in December going to one of the uh, games of the USA uh, to see Keandre Miller, and I'm excited, but... What Niels Lundquist has been doing against top opposition, like professional opponents, is nothing short of amazing. Um, I think the Rangers are going to be very pleased with what they have on the right side of defense with Truba D'Angelo, Fox and Lundqvist in the pipeline. Um, it's just he's been he's he's like I said, he's done everything you could you could ask for of a right handed defenseman who's nineteen years old in the Swedish league.
2: Do you think that, based on what you've seen so far, that he is going to challenge for a roster spot next season?
4: Um, he might challenge for the third pairing uh, spot on the right side. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm, and here's the thing with with Lundqvist. You know, yeah, as as good as he is, um, when it comes to drafting Europeans, you get their rights for four full years. He was drafted in 2018. So next year, yeah, you could sign him, but you could also decide, you know, let's keep him in Sweden for one more year and sign him in 2021, like they did with uh, Tom Reunanen, who we'll talk about later. Um, They they signed him three years after drafting him, uh, which is still, you know, early enough uh, to not worry about losing his rights. But keeping him in his own environment is very important because... If there's one thing the Rangers have really messed up the last couple of years, it's, um, you know, taking their prospects out of their comfort zone, out of their own environment, and bringing them over too early, in my opinion. So, keeping Lundqvist in Sweden this season, and maybe even another year, um, I think that would be best for his career, and especially with D'Angelo and Fox and Truba, there's no real need for him on the Rangers
2: in 2020. Basically let him develop, and I think that's, you know, you don't want to rush him, and if anything, it helps him more to play top pair minutes there, so that's great. Um, It's good you brought up Tom Oryunin because he is next up on our list. How has he been doing this year? I know he had a really nice showing at Traverse City, and a lot of fans were like, wow, this kid might actually turn out to be something after they finally got to watch
4: him. What have you seen from him this year, and what are you liking about his game? Um, Well, last year was a bit of a weird season for him because it was the first year he actually had a top pairing role in the Finnish league after a couple of years with uh, struggling with injuries and being on a better team, being the seventh defenseman. Um, he was traded to Luko, uh, played first pair defense uh, defensive minutes um, uh, together with Ville Henola, who was drafted by the Winnipeg Jets in the first round last summer. Um, and yeah, he was great in Traverse City. He had a good camp. He played in a couple of preseason games. Uh, didn't make the cut. And as, as everyone knew, he had the option to go back to Finland. And I feel that it's a good thing for him to go back to Finland because he only had one full year in Finland playing as a top pair defenseman. So getting that extra year in is good for his development. And ever since he's, he's got back, he's been playing like 25, 22, 24, 22, 23, 25 minutes. So he's a, a big part of their defense. And, I mean, the kid's like what, twenty-one? Um, let him develop in Finland. You know, you have him under contract. Yes, his 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 ELC burns for a year. Who cares? You know, you still have him under contract for two more years if he comes over next summer. Get him get him to the Finnish league as they did right now. Uh, have him play over twenty minutes every game. Have him develop. You know, in his own environment, with the people that he knows in the country where he grew up. Um, and I think this is an underrated aspect of how to uh, develop prospects because we all talk about how Kravtsov, and we talk about this later again, we all talk about how Kravtsov used his uh, European assignment clause to go back to Russia. Uh, Elias Anderson, after he signed his entry-level contract, went back to Sweden for a year. We have to understand that these are teenagers, or in Reunen's case, he's like early 20s. It's a big step to you know not only move to another country but move to another continent. Um, when I was 22, I moved to South Africa for work, and at, at age 22, I was struggling with everything. It's not just a language barrier; it's everything. It's just you know the, the customs, the uh, the way the people are. Uh, you have to you have to make sure that you know you, you go to the right companies. You know to. Even day-to-day life, you know, what supermarket do you go to for your groceries? Everything is new. Everything is different. Different currency, everything. And I think fans often forget how big of of a challenge it is for these young kids to move to another continent and get used to not only playing in North America, but also living there. So for Rijuningen to play in Finland for another year... Uh, it's only good for his development, and next year he will come back even a better player. And considering how close he was to making the team this year, I have no doubt in my mind that he will that he will fight for a spot next summer. And I would put the the probability of him making the team next summer, you know, barring any injuries, at
2: seventy percent. You heard it here first, everyone. I mean, look, if Reunion impresses like he did and continues to improve, I mean, it would only help the Rangers' blue line, which desperately needs some help as we've seen early in this season. St- um, sticking with Finland right now, um, it seems TPS has found another guy to put pucks into the net. And Laurie Puyuniemi has really stepped up this year, uh, with a ro- especially with his rocket of a shot on the power play. Steve, what have you liked from him this year? And is, you know are, are these minutes that he's getting now, uh, especially since Kako is now in North America. But um, wh- what do you think has made him this impressive uh, kind of player this year? What is, How has he
4: turned into this player? Um, well, Pai Uniemi is an interesting prospect. Um, he turned only 20 last month. Um, and, yeah, um, he was a second-year draft-eligible player last year. Uh, age-wise, he's similar to Philip Hedel um but with TPS last season, he was kind of in the shadow of Kapo Kako, who, who I don't even have to talk about because every Ranger fan knows him. Um and with Kapokako leaving TPS, uh Paju and Yemi has had an opportunity to step into this bigger role. And early on in the season, I mean the month of the, the month of September, they had they had a couple of games, I think four games where he had uh two goals, two assists. Um or well, th- maybe just two goals, but uh, in October in nine games, he has seven points. And for a 20-year-old playing in the Finnish Liga uh, to, ha- to be almost a point-per-game player early on in the season, that's very hopeful. And uh, the goals he scored as well, I mean, his shot is, is really good. Um, he's not uh, similar at all to Levi Altonen, who is another Finnish prospect who is more of a passer, Miami uh, is 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 really um, is really a player that has come into his own this season so far. I hope he keeps it up, but at only, at, at age twenty, he still has a long way to go. But you know, uh, the the signs are there that at least he has the talent. So, and I think he was like a fifth or sixth round pick. Uh, so for the Rangers to get a player like that, a second year eligible player. Uh, same, same with what they did with Joey Keene. You know, you draft a player who was undrafted the year before, uh, you use a late run pick on a guy like that who has a, had a little bit more time to develop. Uh, and they did it with, uh, Domenic Lakatos and Patrick Vierta. It doesn't always work out, but the early signs with Joey Keen and Laurie Pajuniemi are very positive. Yeah, and I hope it continues because, man, Payone Yemi's shot
2: on the power play from the circle is really impressive. I mean, we've seen the highlights on Twitter, so I only hope his trajectory keeps on going up. And our final European prospect, before we get into the Kravtsov situation, is Levy Alton, who you just mentioned, uh, makes the 420, uh, 420, makes the under twenty four Nations roster. Um, what have you liked that you've seen from this kid this year? And the buzz around him, especially the draft, was pretty, pretty, pretty crazy with a lot of um, – analysts
4: and reporters saying the
2: Rangers might've gotten a late round steal.
4: Um, Yeah. uh, Altonen was, if I remember correctly, a fifth round pick in 2019. Uh, He was projected to go late second, early third round. So him being available that late and the Rangers, you know, you know, going all out on him with a fifth round pick uh, is a great sign of, you know, identifying his talent. When you get to the fifth round of the draft, you're not going to get a complete player. You're going to look for players who are elite at one of the five aspects of what you want in a hockey player. And when you win like the, the top five of the, the NHL draft, you get a player who excels at four out of the five. Uh, top two, you get a player who excels at all five. Uh, second round pick, you get a player who excels at like two or maybe three out of the five. If you can get a player in a fifth round pick who is elite at, at one of those five aspects, uh, in, in this case, Altman, whose, whose speed makes him a very dangerous player. And the comparisons have been there. You know, people have called him the Finnish Hagelin uh, because of his speed. I think his hands are a little bit better. I think the better comparison for him is uh, Tony Amonti in terms of overall style, not necessarily how good he will be. Uh, but getting a player that, that, that excels in that one aspect in the fifth round is, is great value and Altonen has been playing for uh, has been playing in the in the junior a level which is the under 20 level a couple of games um, and now has has made the jump up to um, to Liga um, and you know he, he's had some good games where the points just didn't really come uh, he's been playing like uh, 12 13 14 minutes a game for for his play uh, for, for his team Um But, you know, the talent is there, and you can see it. I mean, he creates plays with his speed. Uh, And a couple of days ago, he had a really good assist that that I'm pretty sure everyone saw on Twitter already. Um, And yesterday, uh, it was actually announced that he was invited for the under-20 team for the Four Nations, which is uh, next week, uh, November 8th, 9th, and 10th. So... Awesome. And we
2: hope Olivia Helton does well because, man, that kid really has a nice shot and some great speed on him. And, like you said, yeah. from a pick that late, if they get anything out of him, any type of NHL roster player, it's a successful pick. And finally, Steve, you know, you know this player more than almost anyone else in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Vitaly Kravtsov exercised his European assignment clause this week and went back to tractor for the remainder of the season. Um, why isn't the sky falling?
4: Um, well, first of all, because he's 19 years old. Um, second, because he was drafted only one year ago. Um, I don't understand why people are all up in arms about this. Um, Kravtsov signed a contract one year after being drafted. I've been going on about it for months that he's not NHL ready. Um, so the decision for him was either AHL or KHL and if you have to choose between the two as a rational person, if you're not a Rangers fan, if you just look at it from from a neutral point of view and the player can choose between playing in Hartford, you know, going to, to play road games, getting on a bus, making 70K a year or playing in the KHL, making a multitude of that. Um, I mean, what would you choose? I mean, is it really that... You know, is it really that crazy that he triggered his European assignment clause that he negotiated for with the Rangers in the first place? Um, I'm not surprised at all that he's going back to Russia. It was either the NHL or the KHL for him. Um, I spoke to his dad a couple of days ago, and he told me that he was just disappointed by not He wasn't disappointed about, you know, the treatment in Hartford. He was disappointed about not making the team. And that's that's fine with me. I mean, uh, Elias Andersson went back to Sweden when he didn't make the team in 2017, and nobody had a problem with it. Tarasenko stayed in Russia for three years after being drafted, and nobody had a problem with it. Kuznetsov stayed in Russia for four years after being drafted, and nobody talked about it at all. Malkin, and this was different because there was some contract disputes and everything, Malkin spent two full seasons in Russia after being drafted and no one complained. Ravsov comes over one year after being drafted, doesn't make the team, goes back to Russia and Ranger fans are, are complaining about everything. They're complaining about the fact that he gave up. He didn't give up. It was just never, the AHL was never his decision. It was either NHL or back to Russia. That was, that was for him. That was the goal. His goal was to make the NHL. He didn't come to North America to play in, in Hartford. And junior hockey players don't have this option. College players don't have this option. Once they uh, turn pro, once they go pro, they cannot go back. Kravtsov had an option to go back, and he took advantage of it. He decided to go back and let him go back. He's 19 years old. Why are people so up and arms about a kid that's not even old enough to buy a beer in the U.S.?
2: Yeah, makes sense. And, you know, thank you for kind of explaining to everyone that, you know, the sky is not falling. Vitaly will be here sooner rather than later. And, honestly, I'd probably bet money on him coming back after the deadline when Chris Kreider's probably gone and the spot will open up. And, like, you know, the Rangers are rebuilding. They will have a spot for him as time goes on here. So, Steve,
4: thanks for joining us again, man. There's there's one more thing I want to mention. Yeah, because – you know, people go on and on about, you know, Kravtsov is not NHL ready, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but I'm just going to name a couple of players who played either junior or college hockey for two full years, at least, before turning pro. Um, Matt Barzal, Mark Shifley, Mike Hoffman, Mark Stone, Claude Giroux, Logan Couture. Just seven players off the top of my head who played two years of either junior or college hockey after being drafted. Did any fan ever complain about them not making the NHL after one year? Not at all. And look what the kind of players they are now. So and I at, it, it's completely and, beneficial for them to stay in those kinds of leagues a little longer. Exactly. And I'm not saying that Kravtsov will be as good as these players. All I'm saying is that the players that turn into the type of players they are today weren't NHL ready one year after being drafted. So I think Ranger fans just need to, you know, take a breath, sit back and relax, go through the rebuild. You know, it's going to be a rough, it's going to be a bumpy ride, just strap in and uh, it's not going to be pretty, but the result is going to be hopefully pr- pretty great. I mean, uh, if you look at just the Chicago Blackhawks, three years before the Wonder Cup, The Pittsburgh Penguins, three years before the Wonder Cup, and the LA Kings, three years before the Wonder Cup. They were all lottery teams, even after drafting their studs. Uh, The Penguins with Crosby, the Blackhawks with Taves, the Kings with Dowdy, they were still lottery teams. The Rangers, adding Capo Carco are not going to be magically turning into a, a, a playoff team. It's not that simple. It takes time. Ranger fans need to be patient. And not every team that goes through a rebuild will win a cup. But in my experience, every team that wins a cup has gone through a rebuild. You heard it from the man himself. Everyone, step back from the ledge,
2: take a breath. Kravtsov will be here, and he'll be a good player before we know it. We have to deal with these bumps as they come. Steve, happy birthday once again. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your birthday. Thank you. Have a nice day. We hope you enjoy our interview with the stat boy. We wish him again a very happy birthday. He will be traveling back to this country to see the Rangers play the Predators in Nashville this week, so we hope he has an awesome time. Speaking of the Predators, the Rangers have a tough week ahead of them, boys. We have the Tampa Bay Lightning, which will happen before this podcast is released, and we have the Nashville Predators on Saturday.
3: Um, Are we expecting another 0-2 week here, Kevin? What do you think? Um, well, you can expect at least uh, one in one week. I mean, I mean, that's the best case scenario, really. But you know, going back to the Buffalo game, and you know, we saw this with the Rangers when they were contenders. They would always underestimate those teams like Buffalo, like Edmonton, you know, like Ottawa, you know, who weren't good teams, and they got they got completely destroyed. You know, we start the, our backup. You know, we're giving other guys more minutes and. You know, they jump them, they bounce them, and then we're on our heels the whole entire game. And that's what happened with Buffalo. Now, are the Lightning and the Predators going to make that same mistake? It's possible. You know, they want to save their better goaltenders for, you know, more favorable matchups. This is an easy thing for them. If you're looking at it the other way, the Rangers aren't a threat. Their lines are in shambles. They're one of the worst teams in the league, statistically. And, you know, by points... And, you know, it could go one of two ways. The Rangers can pull what they did with Buffalo and completely dominate the Lightning. Or they could just, like always, get destroyed by them. It's just, it's hard to argue with Steven Samkos, Nikita Kucherov, um, and company. And a resurgent Kevin Shattenkirk, who's holding oh, from... oh, no! Can't he's, wait he's for gonna that. That's going to be company. fun. It's, but don't worry. Did Jimmy Vc end up scoring on the on, on the Rangers? No, he, he did not. Okay, did not. well, you know maybe that curse is broken, but we know Kevin Shattenkirk is going to take a slapper from absolutely. the point on yeah. a power play, and it's like sticking to us. It's like this is what you get. And you know he's yeah, going to he celebrate
1: was. like crazy when he scores it. You know that, right?
3: Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent.
2: I mean, Kevin, I like that you brought up the trap game because the Rangers are that team that teams have to worry about for being the trap game now. Um, and I mean, for all the faults that they have. Um, You still have guys like you have our game breaker in Artemi Panarin. You have a budding game breaker in Kapokako that can make you pay if they have some space. And uh, credit to Twitter user Kevin Meiselman at Kev underscore Meiselman. Um, Ozone puck possession per game this year. uh, The average this year, the highest in the league is Artemi Panarin with a minute seven. Uh, Pretty good, you know, I mean. That's topping Jack Eichel. That's it's, topping it's, it's how dominant
3: he is. That's, yeah. that's,
2: that's higher he, than McDavid, higher than Barzell. That's just showing the kind of player this
3: guy is and why he's worth the $11.6 million. No, he's definitely worth it. That's, there's no question about that at this point. It's just it sucks that the guys around him aren't performing besides Mika Zbanejad. So it's really – this is – I think this game, even though they are playing Tampa Bay, is more important than what they've already done because it's like – how can they perform when they know they're not going to have their number one center? Can these guys step up? And is it just going kind to of be the Artemi Panarin show? Which, don't get me wrong, I love. It's just you can't have a one-trick
2: pony like that. No, you can We saw that with Marion Gabrick. We saw that with Rick Nash. It doesn't work to have the one offensive star. Um, and, you know, you want to see Kako have one of these, like, quote-unquote breakout games that people are waiting for. You want to see, like, the two goals, one assist game. You want to see, like, the one goal, three assists. You want to see the breakout. Well, um, clearly what's happened already is not working. So back to the point about playing with the young guys, maybe Healer Anderson can help Kako get going. Maybe the young guys will find some kind of chemistry together this week, which would be really nice to see. JL, um, as Kevin said before, the Rangers are that trap team now uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning, for these types of contenders, and uh, predators included. Um, do you think we'll see a better effort from them this week? And do you think that the additions of Healer and Lindgren will be a nice injection of youth into this lineup that is now the youngest lineup in the league.
1: Oh, absolutely without a doubt. You you have to think that after that humiliating loss the other night that they're going to have to um you know, they're going to have to play better and they're going to have to, you know, put in a better, stronger, consistent effort because at the end of the day these guys are professionals and, you know, this this will be a litmus test on how well they can come back from adversity and if they end up making a strong push to you know win the next game then it shows a lot and it says a lot about the team so i think they'll come back with a better effort they'll be a little more organized you know they've had a day to pretty much recoup themselves but you know, we'll just have to see. I think they'll have a better effort. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think the effort will be a lot better. And, you know, by the time this podcast comes out, you know, people will have a better idea.
2: So basically, what we're all hoping for here, like Chael said, is just the better effort. I just like, even if this team loses, I want to see the effort there. We all want to see them at least firing on all cylinders. Remember, fast, physical, relentless is their slogan now. Let's see that again, even if. We don't see the wins. I want no. To see just the, just, just the keep up contenders.
3: Keep up exactly. Like, look, exactly. It, it's one thing to kind of get outscored five to two. You know that can happen in an instant where you're down three to two in the third period. You let up a bad goal, then you let up an empty empty narrative. You lose five to two. Not the end of the world. But when you're losing these games where you're getting garbage goals in the third period and it's just not the same. Where you're getting bodied by guys when you're you're on the power play. And guys like Bergeron and Brad Marchand are coming up the other way on the ice and just completely dominating you. It's not a good look. And you know, it, I get that they were playing with two. They were playing with less guys on their lineup. You know, they had to fill positions, but it's it's not looking good. And Quinn, just going back to the effort. Yeah, it stems down to that. I agree with him hundred percent. If you're not giving it any effort, you shouldn't be playing. That goes for everybody. You could go for Jacob Truba, it could go for Henrik Lundqvist, it can go for Jesper Faust and Leah Anderson. Just put in the minutes. Put in whatever ice time you're getting and just be like, that's it. This is my role. I'm on whatever line, and I'm going to produce the way I'm supposed to. I'm going to win these face-offs. And outside of Mika's advantage, no one's winning face-offs. No. another big I don't thing know. no one's talking
2: about. Which I think Filipino will help, though. because I think Which, which, which is good. It's, it's just,
3: you know... I don't know. It's just it, it. It really is everything going bad at this time. But uh, you know, the one shining grace in this situation is we can go like, only go up from here. I mean, I don't know how much worse it could really get.
1: It all depends on when, st- Kevin.
3: Statistically wise, but you know, maybe after this week, maybe they're going to have a wake up call. Maybe a, a nice road trip might solve this. You know, they might be, you know, not bonding yet. They just had five home. They're gonna tomorrow, or I guess yesterday, will be the fifth home game in a row for them. And you know who's to say that they do anything outside of play these games and go to practices? So you know maybe the
4: the World maybe they need to
2: What you're saying? Yeah, no, maybe definitely bonding experience. Yes, I agree. And you know, for all my qualms with David Quinn, you know Kevin kind of nailed it right there when he said that um, you want to see, you just want to see guys put in the effort. And skill, you need skill to win games. The skill is still the top thing that you need to win in the NHL. Absolutely. But you need your skill guys to show that effort to win these games. And that is what it boils down to. Now, I know people are taking Quinn's kind of comments kind of crazy, making it seem like he doesn't want his skill guys to play with the skill. But, you know, to that I say, look at what Artemi Panarin's been doing this year. think Charlie Panarin is not using his skill to score the goals that he's scoring, the up the plays that he's doing? Do you think he's just bashing on the boards? No. He's doing what he does and he's using his strengths, and he is one of the best players on the team because of his effort this year. So, I mean, if the rest of the team follows suit, I think we'll be a lot happier um, as the year goes on. And the good so, part
1: about that is that these guys have the skill to do it. That's, that's the, that's the that's, silver lining That's the there.
3: thing that pisses me off the most. Than it's the silver else. lining
1: and it's also the one that gets everybody upset.
3: No, because these guys are good. This yeah. team has the potential to be very, very good and that's why everybody's upset. If you really want to boil it down, everybody's upset because we all know they can do better. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's it. that's literally it. We know we could win all of these games. We know if, you know, one bad defensive play or one missed goal or one missed call changes the entire entirety of the rest of the game, then we know we win these. But, you know, it's just, it's frustrating. That's more than anything else. If we were a bad team, if we had no superstar, if we had no all-star goaltenders or good defense, then it's one thing. Then we could say, okay, they suck. They're bad. And we know this. But, but then that's they not don't the case. Suck. They no? don't suck on paper. They just suck statistically. And they suck as a unit. <laughs> and they need to collectively bring this greatness together instead of just being pieces of, of a puzzle that just don't fit together.
2: I think that's a good way to put it. Pieces of the puzzle that don't fit together—they need to learn how to fit together, and that is honestly what this year is all about: is figuring out how they really do fit together. And the final word from the three of us tonight will be the Vitaly Krasov situation. Ah, uh, yes, and oh boy, I was uh, waiting. Like, like Steve's interview, his interview uh, when we spoke to him before. The sky is not falling. Um. Vitaly Kravtsov and the Rangers had in his deal that he had his European assignment clause, and he could go back if he chose to. He decided to go back to Tractor this week. Um, The point I want to make, I'm sure the guys will have other points they would like to make, but the point I want to make here is that I think we see him back after the NHL trade deadline. I think once Chris Kreider moves on, I think once there is a spot open in the top six, I think after he kind of gets his confidence back and has a good year again for Tractor, Vitaly Kravtsov will be on the main roster. Um, I don't think they particularly care if they burn a year off as of ELC because I think they're hopefully planning to anyway. Um, so I think we see Vitaly Kravtsov back in North America by late February, early March. Uh, JL, what are your thoughts on the situation? Just to give a last thought about Vitaly Kravtsov.
1: Some people were saying the Rangers mishandled it. I I think with a lot of the translations that come out with his interview recently and just just the way things have transpired. I think they've handled it admirably. Because he was unhappy here, clearly he was unhappy here. And the Rangers want him here, he wants to be there, but even they know that they just couldn't fit him in there. Are there things in his game that he could work on? Absolutely. That goes to say the, you know, that goes to say, you know, the other players on this team that are already there don't have things to work on. They do have things to work on. But again, they wanted him for top minutes like t- top six minutes, which they don't have and they didn't want to bury him. So he wants to play top minutes somewhere and feel more comfortable than he can hone his craft in the KHL. They, they negotiated that a European out clause for this reason, because it was expected that he was going to make the club. So I think they handled it admirably. I think the internet tends to take things and twist things that they don't seem to be too informed on. And I personally think, like you said, he'll be back here before the trade deadline once his season's over, and he'll he'll just slot in once a Kreider or even a Strom will be gone, and you know by that time, hopefully, the other young kids will play as well.
2: Kev,
3: last word of the night goes to you. Ooh, I feel so honored. <sighs> I'm sure Steve mentioned this, and I'm sure many other people mentioned this, but if Vitaly Kratsov elected to stay in Russia to start this year... We wouldn't be having this conversation. Nikita Kucherov did it. Uh, I believe Vladimir Tarasenko also did it. So
1: did Evgeny Kuznetsov.
3: So did Evgeny Kuznetsov. Thank you. And, you know, just because Kratsov thought he can come in and which, by all rights, he could have taken a spot away. He played, you know, well enough where that was, if that was the case, then he'd be happy. But that wasn't. He got sent to the AHL. He wasn't happy. He got scratched. You know, it, whatever happened, happened. It's over now, but now he's back in the KHL, playing big minutes for a team that he's used to. And look, we never take this human element into per, in, in, into perspective because, you know, we don't want to. And, you know, stats say one thing, but you don't want to imagine how they're actually feeling because you can't quantify that. Vitaly Kratsov was definitely unhappy being here. Um, you know, he didn't have that many friends here. He was still getting adjusted to the New York life, which it's hard. It's overwhelming. I don't know if... You know, we live here. I don't know if you are listening and you don't. It's very hectic all the time, every day, no matter what day it is throughout the year. It is very overwhelming. and I've lived here my entire life, so I don't know with someone who barely speaks the language and is trying to learn it and comes here and tries to live here without knowing anybody. It's it's hard. So he went back to something he wanted to do. He's happy there. He'll improve on his game on top line minutes, help Tractor, hopefully get to a playoff position or... Who knows, maybe he'll just score unbelievable amounts of goals for the team again. So we'll see. It's just take it easy. Please. Everybody. Deep breath. Step it's away not, from the world. Take it's it easy. Not the end of the world. It's hockey. It comes and goes every season, whether you like it or not. And the Rangers, it's just not their year. We knew it wasn't their year. If you had any notion that it was their year, I'm sorry you were wrong, but you know, just we just got to hope for better hockey. We just got to hope for that. It's entertaining, but you know, it's going to be fun watching these guys get better and better throughout the year, and I'm going to be excited when they trade certain people away. I'm going to be excited when certain guys play certain minutes, and I'm going to be excited when Vitaly Kratsov comes back in February or so. Basically, March. what Kevin is telling you guys is enjoy the ride. Please. Please. Boom. It, there's no stress to it. it if you if you go in knowing that they might not win, it it's so much better.
2: Absolutely. And, guys, remember, 2020 is a loaded draft. And the big seven are there. And the Rangers continue, what's going on? Yes, as you hear Kevin Kevin whisper and Dale whisper, Um, the big big seven are there at the top, as I like to call them. Uh, (laughs) The big seven do consist of, as they're whispering in the background, (laughs) Alexi Lafremiere, Whitney Byfield, Lucas Raymond, Noel Gundler, um, Alexander Holtz, Anton Lundell, and Jamie Drysdale, as I like to call them. Of course, one defenseman out of the bunch, but, man, trust me, everyone that's listening, if the season does trend down that way, adding one of those guys would be fantastic. So with that being fantastic. said, let's hope that next week when we're talking to you, We're talking about some good efforts against the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Nashville Predators, and uh, as always, let's go Rangers.
0: Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off, but hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 215 to 216 excludes in-store clearance and baby
3: And let's go, Raider Nation. It's me, Evan Grote, host of Just Pod Baby. Join me as I bring you the latest news on your Las Vegas Raiders. On Just Pod Baby, I will give you my thoughts on all things silver and black. And of course, you can expect to receive the best information from top-notch guests. Be sure to listen to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Silver and Black Today media group.
2: The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, but Raider Nation is worldwide. Hi, Silver and Black Maniacs. I'm Scott Goldbranson, host of Silver and Black Today, the first and only All-Raiders show from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. A-list guests like players and coaches, and the best Raiders talk in the land. Subscribe and listen today if you just want to win, baby.